I honestly like would not take back those slip ups for anything because I think I needed them to really validate the fact that like, hey, you're on this journey for a reason. You truly do not have control over the substance and that's okay. Like you can live a happy, fulfilling life without it. Welcome to the show that drops in on people's moments of clarity surrounding their choice to not drink. I'm Kate Madry and I'm so happy you're here. Sobriety is like a thumbprint, and just like your skincare routine or your self-care routine, everyone's sober care routine is very different. By the end of each conversation, you'll leave with a little bit more insight to help guide you while building your sober care routine. This is a clear-headed podcast. Oh my gosh, I finally got to talk with somebody I've been following for a good amount of time, getting inspo and following her journey. Alyssa Heim is the founder and creator of Talk the Mock on Instagram. She creates mocktail recipes and shares a little bit of her sober story. So we'll start with the conversation that I start every podcast with, which is if you can kind of time travel back with me. Um, what was your moment of clarity like when you realized that alcohol was no longer serving you? Yeah. Yeah. And I love that question too. I probably like many other people feel like I didn't have a specific moment of clarity, right? I think that there were many, many moments of clarity or pieces of clarity that I kind of received throughout my drinking days. Um, but I chose to ignore a lot of the signs when I was first, you know, understanding or realizing, I guess, that I had a legitimate problem with drinking and I didn't have control over my consumption. And I didn't really want to, I guess, own up to that or, you know, take full accountability of it a lot of the time. And so I think I knew that I needed to take it out of my life for a couple of years, honestly, before. I ended up parting ways with it, but there were, there were plenty of moments of clarity. And I think, you know, at my high points of like anxiety or, um, you know, you know, like very clear moments of knowing that something had to change, I would very quickly kind of dumb it down or like put it to the wayside so I could continue to drink and be sort of in that comfort bubble of, of drinking. And so I struggled it with it for for a couple of years sort of knowing that I needed to take it out of my life before I actually did. Yeah. And it kind of ranged, I guess. Like there were moments where there were, I mean there were there were mornings when I would wake up. This had happened a couple of times where I'd wake up in my bed and didn't remember how I got there. And I had realized that I had driven myself home from like a party or a bar or something and do not recall driving whatsoever. Um, Not proud moments of mine, obviously. And there was other moments where I would meet somebody out and we it became kind of apparent that we had met each other before, but I didn't remember where or who they were or what conversation we had. There was just like bits, like there was a very, there was a lot of um, like very foggy moments in my life where I knew I was drinking too heavily and I was forgetting pieces of my life. And I also was dealing with a lot of just internal stress and anxiety because I 
was closeted about it for the majority of the time I was drinking and my struggles and it all kind of um, sort of bubble, bubbled up to the surface. I'd say the last couple months of my drinking were pretty like off, off the rails. Um, it was the height of COVID. So like the beginning of 2020, I was drinking very heavily and then I was working in the service industry at the time. So when um, lockdown happened, I was out of a job and I was in my house and there was nothing for me to do. And I chose to drink a a lot of the time that um, I was just chilling in my house. And I think a lot of people can relate to that, but it just was, it was a dark time for me. And it ended up um, um, like the last time that I drank was... July 19th of 2020. Um, and I was at a friend's cabin and it was just one of those nights where I took it too far and I was trying to kind of closet the amount that I had consumed. And it came out the next day that I was like sneaking people's bottles of booze back into my room. And it was a super embarrassing experience. And like, at that point, I had just had enough of myself and my shit. And, um, but it, I had kind of a, I guess, a different um, experience with it because not many people knew that I was struggling. So I didn't have people kind of coming up to me and being like, you know, like, are you doing okay? Like, I see that you're, you've been drinking a lot lately and, you know, you're, it seems like something's maybe off with you. Like I kept it very buttoned up, I think externally at the majority of the time. Um, but internally I was struggling very, very deeply. And, um, it felt like there was like a point where it just felt like I was living a nightmare and I didn't know when, when it was going to end. It was kind of like, if I started drinking, I didn't know when I was going to stop drinking it could be a couple hours, it could be a couple days, maybe longer. So it was just, I was very much out of control. And at the time, of course, trying to tell myself that I was in control of everything. And that was very much not the case. So long winded answer to say there was tons of moments of clarity. But I think that I tried, I was so scared to do anything about it for so long that I just like dumbed it down and made it seem whatever way in my head that it wasn't as bad as it actually was so absolutely and it's so common um I mean my story is similar too like I don't and I I honestly think like this is why I love these kind of conversations because I think a lot of people don't realize that they don't have to hit an external rock bottom in order to make a change and pivot Mm -hmm really the only rock bottoms that matter are the internal ones. And you know when you've reached it. And sometimes you stay like rocky and playing with Mm -hmm. those rocks at the bottom for like years because Mm -hmm. it's what's comfortable to you. It's what you've built a life around. And especially when it's all internal and you don't have people actually checking you and seeing what the hell is going on. For sure. It makes it that much harder to make a change. And it also makes it that much harder to label and see what is causing that pain because Mm -hmm. booze and boozy nights are not what people have typically reached for when they think, okay, what's the first thing to cut out of your life? It's actually been like 
the last thing yeah. you want to do is give up a night of, you know, cutting loose or having wine. And so if it's if you're alone in it, like of course that's really hard and it takes a long time to figure it out. But yeah. I'm so like happy that you did and that I did and that like Sarah did and all of these people and all of so many friends that I've made and have talked to like you're so capable of figuring out and of navigating it, even if it's only with yourself. Absolutely. So I'm like so thrilled. And often yeah. it's like that one night in a cabin where you're like, I don't know, I was in a cabin. I did some weird stuff. It wasn't the <laughs> weirdest or worst stuff I've ever done. But for me, my barometer said, this is not even, I'm not matching who I know I am. I know oh. I'm not being the best version of myself. And I'm so exhausted by being this like dupe of who I could be. And then making a big change, which is like intense. So what Mm -hmm. did you do? Like you left, you leave a cabin, you decide that you don't want to do that, be that, drink that anymore. What happened after? Yeah. And I will just, I want to emphasize the part of like, you know so deeply that you're not behaving in the way that you're meant, not not even behaving, you're just not being the person that you know you're capable of being. And that's mm-hmm. just like so apparent. It becomes so apparent that like you can't turn away from it anymore, right? Like I think Absolutely. in the beginning, it's easy to make excuses, especially when you're surrounded by a bunch of other people who are heavy drinkers and it's all fun and you're going out and you're living in the moment and you're quote, you're, you're young, you know, like I got sober when I was 25, which I consider fairly young, Yes. but I started drinking at a very young age too. So it was, there was like a period of 10 years where I was, I would consider myself like a very heavy drinker and I didn't really slow down that often. So it was definitely a buildup. Um, but actually before that, before, um, that before July 19th, I had done an online six week program through recovery elevator. I'm not sure if you've heard of them, but yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. Paul Churchill, he's got, um, a really good podcast that I started listening to, um, at the beginning of 2020. And it was very similar to this sort of setup where, he um, brings people on that have various, uh, you know, experiences with drinking and then like various times being sober. And I started listening to all of their so- their stories about how they got sober and like what got them to what was their rock bottom? How do they stay sober now? Things like that. And I could relate to basically every one of their stories in some sort of fashion. And that kind of terrified me because I was like, originally I wanted to like think that it had to get like so bad, like something horrible had to happen in my life in order for me to stop drinking. And then I kind of realized like all of, all of these people's stories, it was like, they didn't, they didn't have to like, you know, like get into an awful car wreck or like lose their family and lose their job and all these other things for it to be enough for them to be like, you know what, this is not the life that I want to live. Like I need to change. And it was so relatable. And then I kind of was faced with this idea of like, okay, well, like if you can relate to all of these things and you know that you're not acting to your potential, then what are you going to do about it sort of deal? And so since I wasn't working and my drinking was kind of getting worse and worse, I 
I decided to sign up for one of his workshops. Um, and it was a fabulous workshop. Like each, each week he had a different topic of different, you know, different learnings. There was a lot of like, um, interactive work. So I was actually teamed with, or they grouped us into a WhatsApp sort of group setting. And I got to meet six beautiful individuals that were on their own sobriety journey with me. I actually still stay in contact with all of them. Um, and they were all freshly like trying to start their own sobriety journey. So we did like daily check-ins and we would send videos to each other back and forth. And then we would have these topics that we would discuss, um, each week. And it was so helpful. It was kind of like that first major step that I took into getting outside help outside of myself. Um, and I was really terrified of that. Like that was a very terrifying thing for me to do because I, for whatever reason, felt like I needed to solve this drinking issue that I had alone before mm-hmm. anybody really found out anything that was going on with me. Mm-hmm. Like I'm a very independent person. So I kind of was like, I'm just going to like figure all this out on my own and then mm-hmm. nobody has to worry about me. And then like, I'll be good and we can just move on and nobody has to be concerned for me. And then it was like, I would have a couple days where I didn't drink and then I would fall back and it was, I was Mm -hmm. in that cycle for a while. So I, Mm -hmm. I knew that I needed some type of external help. I was scared to do anything like treatment or like inpatient outpatient sort of, um, structure. So that group to this day is like one of the biggest factors why of like how I got sober and how I remain sober But I will say that I did have a couple slip-ups after that six-week program. So it's not like a linear situation, and I don't think it is for a lot of people. It really isn't. Yeah. Have you heard the term sip-up? Yeah, yeah. (laughs) And I feel like that's such a good way to like even talk to yourself about it because, Mm -hmm. I mean, I guess I'll – like for me, I think that I think back on all of the times that I was like, I'm going to do 30 days. Yeah. And then I was like, the end of the night, by night one, I was like, it's five o'clock and my friend just invited me out and you just go right back into it. And it really isn't linear for everyone. No. For most people, I I honestly feel like, I don't know that it's linear for anyone. It's so, it's more rare for it to be like, I realized it, I made a choice and I followed it through for decades and decades. Like that's- that you ever thought you were going to stop drinking, you actually did it. No problem. Totally. Exactly. Yeah. And I've realized that being sober, but Mm -hmm. I feel like it's so comforting. Like I wish somebody would have explained that to me when I was kind of in my curious phase or my acknowledgement phase or like even my shame phase of being shameful about my consumption and my inability to balance a substance that was not curated for you you to balance it like most people don't have a linear journey um and I mean when you did have those sip-ups or when you did pivot back to it Mm -hmm. or date booze again go on a one-night stand like what did you learn from it like did you learn that it validated oh your perspective Yeah, like it was never really, I'm trying to think back on this because I don't know what my mentality was going into it. Like, Mm -hmm. I don't know if I at the time had talked myself into being like, 
you can just have one. It's fine. Like, look at you. You did this six week. So, and now you know so much about, you know, your, your drinking issue and it's okay. And, you know, you can just have, I don't know if I like tried to celebrate at the end of it being like, okay, well, you should have a drink now. That's that you so went funny. Over what, what I feel like that, that would be, I just want to say like so normal. Because yeah, celebration right. and drinking is so interlinked. Like, of course, right. your like first thing is like, "Whoa, I did it! Yeah. Let's get a bottle of Ouvre, or like whatever yeah. it is you did." Yeah, I th- I honestly think like it was my addictive brain telling me like since you did it, like since you did the six weeks, like you're mm. not as bad as you. You kind of tend to forget totally. like how bad it actually was sometimes, you know, or yeah. you want to want to block it out. And I think it was one of those situations where it was like, maybe you just like don't have that bad of a problem. And then mm. the second I started drinking again, it was like I was right back to square one, if not worse. And so I honestly like would not take back those slip ups for anything because I think I needed them to really validate the fact that like, hey, you're on this journey for a reason. You truly do not have control over the substance. And that's okay. Like, you can live a happy, fulfilling life without it, without it, no problem. And you've caught glimpses of that. So like, just keep going with it. Just yeah. keep going. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I also wanted to just touch on something that you brought up, which is comparison, which is like, you know, we all do it. We compare, especially when we're trying to figure out like, should I stop drinking or not? You start to compare yourself mm-hmm. to people you're surrounded by or peers. Yeah public figures and there's like the saying like comparison is the thief of joy. Yeah. And I feel like comparison is the thief of evolution because when you specifically in sobriety, when you compare yourself to even the good or the bad parts, like you compare yourself, I found myself comparing myself to like other people in my life who I knew weren't drinking. Mm-hmm. And I got caught up in the fact that, well, my story and my relationship wasn't just like theirs, so I should keep drinking. Yeah. Or when I'd compare it to really bad stories and really rocky stories or like the worst people who were still drinking, I'd go, well, I'm not just like theirs, so I should keep drinking. Yeah. And so it doesn't matter which side you compare it on sometimes. It's just right. like your your journey is only to be compared within yourself and who you want to be. Yeah. And it sounds like that was really like your biggest tipping point was leaving the comparisons behind of your peers and just comparing who you currently were to who you wanted to be and then took the appropriate steps, which kind of gets me back to, so you make the choice. You're like, okay, I'm going to, I know I'm confident. Bye-bye July 19th. What happened on the 20th or what happened later on the 19th? Yeah, I think that so I had opened up at at that point, I think a couple at that point, I had only told a few close um, like friends and family members that I was struggling and that I was trying to take it out of my life because it was still sort of rocky and I didn't feel like I had my footing enough to start like really opening up to people about it. But after that point, I was like, you know what, like enough is enough. I need people to understand that I'm struggling and like they aren't going to see me drinking anymore and I need to hold myself accountable in that Mm -hmm. sense. So I just started telling like, not just like everybody down this, like walking down the street, like I'm sober now, I don't drink. (laughs) But like anybody that I was really in contact with, I kind of was just like, hey, just so you know, like I 
don't think that I'm going to drink anymore. And like, I don't want to drink alcohol. I need to take it out of my life. It's not serving me anymore. And just kind of leaving it at that. And honestly, like people were way more supportive than I had expected them to be. A lot of people were really surprised Mm -hmm. just because again, I wasn't like super outwardly out of control, Yeah, but I met with like such a massive amount of support and love from the pe- from people who didn't even like really know me that well either it was just kind of like a breath of fresh air like it was finally like the sur- the full surrender that i needed to give myself to make it actually work mm-hmm. and to just like give myself the grace to like let it unfold like super messy and super like vulnerable and like super emotional in the beginning and yeah. kind of settle into what it was supposed to be like I don't, I don't know if I needed it to be a certain way. I don't think I was really comparing my sober journey to anyone else's at the time. Um, just because I didn't really know that many sober people when I first got sober, if anything, I was comparing myself to people who were maybe like worse, quote unquote, worse right. drinker than I was. Cause it was comforting to me mm-hmm. at the time to be, well, totally. at least I'm not doing sure. X, Y, Z, but I'm over here doing, you know, a, you know, <laughs> yeah. so whatever. I, I just, I just fully surrendered to it. And I remember just, I was crying and just felt like a huge sort of weight lift off of my shoulders. I didn't, I didn't realize at the time how much shame and guilt I was really holding on to until after I'd gotten sober. And then I realized like really how awful I was just operating at a very like low vibration without Mm -hmm. really being aware of it. Yeah. And it Affecting the relationship with myself and the relationship I had with my loved ones. And I was just, I just was done. Uh, isn't that so amazing? Like, yeah. I look back just probably like you do on that moment where you're like, Ugh, you can feel, it's like I can feel it in my body, how I felt. Yeah, absolutely. And it's so good to hear that because I think that's such a fear for so many people. Like that's like one of the bigger hurdles that people have. Like how am I going to tell people or like what am I going to say? And that kind of keeps them in this redundant cycle of like the sip-ups and the guilt and the shame and the trying to do it alone and being so hard on yourself. But like most people want to just embrace you. And – you're setting more than the bottle of tequila down when you stop drinking. You're setting down a lot of trauma and shame and past. And there's so much you get to just set down and leave when you make yep. the choice to set down other things like booze. Yeah. Um, and I really, I really, really like see you on a lot of people being surprised because I had a lot of people in my life be surprised too. Yeah. And I love that – I just love that that's part of your journey because I I think that it's almost like a hurdle, for lack of a better words, or ber- word, um, that people don't anticipate. I think people kind of try to almost keep drinking until pe- like everyone is like disappointed in them or they think that yeah. they have to like – walk away because they've lost every single relationship in their life. Mm -hmm. 
what did you do or did you feel like you had to explain further when people were surprised? How did you navigate those kind of conversations? And like, I don't know, did it ever, did that surprise ever make you question your choice? The surprise definitely didn't make me question my choice. I think I was very much at a point where it was like, this is the way it's going to be. And I feel good in this decision. And so if anybody is weird about it, then let them be weird about it. (laughs) But I I do remember like in the beginning of sobriety feeling like I had to explain myself way more than I feel the need to now. Mm -hmm. Um, And I think that a a large part of that really is like we create this, these scenarios in our minds of like how people are going to respond and what they're thinking about our choice. And like, I don't know. I, I remember like feeling like worried that people were going to react a certain way. And it usually was like never that type of reaction that they had. (laughs) So I think I like created it to be more of a big deal in my head than it was. And I think a lot of the time, like, it's not as big of a deal to other people as it is to us, right? Like our Mm -hmm. sobriety means everything to us because we have been living like the drunken life and then the sober life. So it's a massive life transition for us. But for other people, like it's not, it's not that intense. You know what I mean? Like it's a good, it's a good decision to take alcohol out of your life. If that's, what's gonna lead you to have a better, more fulfilling life for yourself. So if, if people make a stink about that, then that's like a problem with them. It's not a problem with the person who's explaining themselves. Yeah. Um, Yeah. I don't, I've never really had too many, or I've I've never really had um, like a super negative response to me explaining that I'm sober, but I've, I've had scenarios where I have felt the need to explain myself maybe a little bit more than the the person cared to know. <laughs> yeah, no, totally. I think that's like super, super normal. So I'm glad yeah. that you said that because like me too. And also, yeah. wait, you said something earlier about like the pressure to have everything kind of figured out before you share yeah. it with other people. And I think that's super – human and raw and honest and same. And I I think it kind of fuels the, what we were just saying of like the over explaining yeah. and kind of giving more reason. Cause you like, I think it, when you're new in sobriety, you want to feel like, even if you're so confident of your choice, we're still human at the end of the day and we want our peers to validate our choices as yeah. well. And so we're like, get on board, get on board. Like you don't, you didn't know what was going on in my head. I knew what was going on in my head. And now I'm going right. to tell you so that you can know and so that you can be right. on board so and you can understand this. Right. And right. they're like, I didn't like totally need to know that you like right. cried they're in like, the closet cool. and you feel bad yeah. about ripping your jeans. Like, no, <laughs> like I don't, <laughs> I love you, but like, I, I'm just, you're good. You're good. Um, um, but then like you've then made a pivot to Mm -hmm. sharing with your close friends to like being on Instagram about it and making content and sharing all of the things that you're learning. And what was that swing like for you? And what did that evolution look like? Did you have an aha moment with Talk the Mock? Yeah. I mean, 
it's funny because when I start, it was very random. I started that. I started my talk, the mock account on like a random Tuesday night. I just had an idea. I was like, you know what? I'm going to start a mocktail Instagram account because it just sounds fun. And like, I had already been like sober for two and a half years at that point or around two, two and a half years. Um, and so it wasn't like, I, I, I see all these sober accounts now, um, and all these people starting their accounts like pretty early on in sobriety. And I think it's so cool. I never like had the thought to do something like that. Um, I actually took like a social media hiatus when I first got sober, I was off social media for like eight or nine months and I felt amazing. I was kind of just in my own little sober bubble I honest, I wasn't like doing too much outside of like working and going to the gym and taking nature walks. And I was just like in such a pink cloud at the time. Um, but then life kind of gets more normal and you go back to doing, you know, regular life stuff. But yeah, it was a very random, um, like, uh, unfolding, I guess. So I started looking up non-alcoholic problems products. I didn't realize how big the non-alcoholic industry was up until like six months ago. And it's been booming. And I think it's going Huge. to continue to boom. And I started trying non-alcoholic, you know, spirits and wines and beers. And I was very much like a, like a sparkling water sort of gal for, you know, <laughs> the first two years of my sobriety, honestly. And then I got into the non-alcoholic spirits and I was like, this is such a cool thing. It's, it's, more than just like the product itself, I think it's the experience that non-alcoholic spirits and wines and beers give you. It feels like so inclusive and I don't know, it's just like an elevated way to do sobriety, I think. Like if it's not triggering yeah. to you, then I think it can be such a fun experience. And yeah. Yeah. So I just started making videos and through through that, I just started meeting like a lot of people in the sobriety community. And that's when I really started realizing like, this is such a tight knit community. And I love everything about this and everybody that's in here sort of promoting sobriety and making sobriety more normalized. And I want to be a part of it. So like, yeah, it's been, of course, like making these mocktail videos. It's been so fun. I feel like I was such a creative person when I was younger and I'm starting to like kind of find my creative spark again. Yeah. But also on the other side of that, like I feel like there's a deeper reason for having the account and that's really to show people that you can have like an amazing time without alcohol and you can live like a really happy life without being drunk all the time and you know, I get people like asking me questions about sobriety and it's just been like a really fulfilling aspect in that sense. So that was kind of an unexpected sort of thing that I've gotten out of having the account. So it's just been fun. I love it. It's so good to see that other people think like you and that you can learn from other people and that you can help other people to learn too. It's just yeah. like the best thing ever. Right. Um, and I'm so thrilled that you got into it. And I like the note about, you know, sobriety accounts, sober curious accounts, any kind of accounts to do with non-drinking can start at any time. Like you don't yeah. have to start it right when you're figuring your shit out. Like you right. can go and get kind of confident in your own journey. You could step away from social media for freaking right. nine months if you need to. Right. There's literally no rule book. 
Um, And I get that that can be overwhelming because sometimes you kind of want rules, but there there really aren't. You're not going to get in trouble for taking a year to feel really confident in your sobriety and then trying something new in the sober space. Like there's so much time and possibilities and I'm freaking obsessed with what you're doing. And keep on keeping on. I'm, yeah. I I want to wrap this delightful combo. I feel like I could never end it. We might have to have you back on. Yeah. But um, I want to know currently, like, what is your sober care routine? What are you doing for your sobriety? Yeah. I love that question. I think that's such an important question. I, I, I think – if I were to say one thing over anything else, it is keeping a gratitude journal. Um, I have a gratitude journal that, so part of my routine, and I don't have like a super extensive morning or evening routine, but I try to most days write down a list of things that I'm grateful for the first thing when I wake up, and then also write a list right before I go to bed. And I think that really like helps me keep my sobriety in perspective, of course, but also just like my life into perspective a little bit and (laughs) sort of like, it helps me zoom out of like my day-to-day like stressors and, you know, the, you know, the monotony of life and things like that. I, I think that my gratitude journal really helps me slow down and be in the moment and appreciate the little things of life. Um, so yeah, I think that that's like one of the main things that I do. I, I, uh, I guess I'll just leave it at that. I think that everybody should have a gratitude journal. I think it can lift you up out of like really dark, dark periods of your life, but also just like take you out of your head a little bit and just, um, help you be in the now. Uh, I love that. I'm trying to practice that more. They say yeah. that like gratitude, gratitude is the attitude is something I used to say, but gratitude actually isn't an attitude. It's like a muscle. Like you get yeah. better and better and better the more that you practice it. It's a practice. Yeah. So I love that. And um, I'm grateful that you took time to talk to me and I'm so happy we connected. Yeah, I'm Thank so you. excited that I got to do this. This has been so fun. Yeah, me too. Now we're going to go get mocktails. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm <laughs> <Sun> down. <laughs> For more guidance on building your sober care routine, head to clearheaded.co or follow us on Instagram at clearheaded.co. <laughs>